Hallelujah. We go ahead and put that up. Just want to show you the few definitions that we've gone through the, over the last few weeks. How many have been enjoying this on love? You know, I believe it is doing something. You can see the fruit. We've been preaching on We start off, we're doing a uh, series on fruit. But then we've gotten just on the first one, love, and it has just exploded. But listen, it is doing something. How many can feel it's doing something in your life? How many know it's a blessing to feel accepted and loved and not rejected and judged? You know, I was sharing with you last week, we were studying. Love is patient. If that's the definition of it, there suffers long with people. How many of you know we need that in the church as well as in the world? Amen. Amen. The word always refers to being patient with people, not with circumstances. Then we saw the love is kind, courteous, good, helpful, useful, giving and showing, showering of favors. Love does not resent evil. Does not resent evil. It does not re- reveal, reveal, reveal in the hurt. Reveal. Doesn't get mad when you get hurt and neglected. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to do my own definition here. Love reaches out in kindness. It's helpfulness in giving and showering favors upon the person who neglects or hurts oneself. Of course, last week we touched on the area of envy. But so there's some things I, I still want to share. And one of the scriptures we had, you can write this down. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. You know, that was the scripture we used to have on the benches years ago. The first bench and commercial thing we did as a church was finding grace or finding help in the time of need. And you know, at that time, you know, sometimes, you know, there's a spirit of rejection. There's a spirit of hurt, a spirit of pain. Many times people, we don't always walk in love. Even as Christians, we don't always walk in love as we should. Trying to uh, make people turn into other people, be who they're not, pretend to be somebody else. But, you know, love is kind and love is pure. And I shared with you last week that I've taught it and I believe in the spirit of excellence in such a strong way. I believe in the spirit of excellence and I believe that, you know, the church should walk in an excellent spirit. And we do walk in an excellent spirit. But the Lord started dealing with me in, in this message on love that we can go overboard in the area of excellence and get out of the area of grace and mercy. You know, I even shared with, you know, to get phone calls and saying, listen, I got a, a bad spot on my head. Would it be OK? Can I come if I wear a hat? I mean, you shouldn't even have to ask that. It's not about whether you wear a hat or not. It's about being in the house of God. And, you know, there used to be complaints. Pastor, you ought to see all the cigarettes butts we found in the parking lot. Man, who would smoke on a church parking lot? You know what? That's a good sign. That's the type of people we want. Amen? I'm, not, I'm not saying that, you know, you know if, you go to, if you're going to go to heaven, you may have to smoke outside the gate, but you're going to go to heaven. One body, somebody used to say, you may chew in heaven, but you have to go to hell and spit. <laughs> but, you know, we get in such a spirit of excellence. And, you know, my kids, they have the prayer memorized because daddy prayed it over them. Mom and daddy prayed over them every day. Gen- Daniel chapter 3. Thank you, Father, that my boys have the spirit of excellence, the spirit of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I just claim that over them every day. I thank you, Lord God, that my three boys are just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They have the spirit of excellence. And they would even, you tell, would tell one of them, say the blessing they would say. Thank you, Lord, we have the spirit of Daniel, the spirit of excellence upon them. But how many of you know, not everybody is a Daniel. How many know sometimes you don't, Daniel used to get on his bedroom and open the windows and pray over the city. David would get on his bedroom and look at women bathing. (laughs) 
many of you know Jesus was called the son of David? Not the son of Daniel. Now, we want everybody to be Daniels, but I mean, no, not everybody are Daniels. Some are Davids. Some are Jacobs. Some are a lot of things. But we're still one big family. And you know, there's been such a, a way of, well, this has to happen and that happened. You shouldn't be doing this, doing that. I told you about when we found the beer cans in the parking lot. Praise God, they're coming to church. No, the scripture God gave me back in, in, in 1978 when he woke me up one morning. He gave me this scripture. Luke 4.18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he is anointed to preach to all the perfect people. The Spirit of God is for all the perfect people. The Spirit of God is for everybody who has it all together. The Spirit and the anointing of God is for everybody who's living their life right. The Spirit and the anointing of God is for everybody and available to everybody who's doing everything just like the Word of God says. No, it does not say that. Isaiah chapter 61 and Luke 4.18 says that the Spirit of the Lord God is to preach to the poor, to the brokenhearted, to the down and the outcast, those who are in the prison. The Spirit and the anointing of God is to take those who are bound and hurting and needy and bring them up to a higher level. That's what the Word of God reveals. I know you've heard of Elvis Presley, young and old. Do you know that the man was rejected from singing in the church choir because he dressed poorly and he was from the wrong side of the tracks? You know what churches would do? I mean, we have a half Elvis. Huh, Jay? Huh, huh, huh? We got a little bit of Elvis. Got a little bit of rock and roll. But I mean, mean, what would churches not do to have somebody who could sing like Elvis in the choir? Just to hear him later on say, church might not accept me, but I'm going to make a CD. I'm going to sing, He Touched Me. I'm going to sing, How Great Thou Art. And he made that Christian record and he sung those Christian songs with all of his heart until he died. He, he sung Christian songs and, and he just had a heart after God. But yet he was rejected because he didn't have the look. Love is kind. Love is patient. While people are going through it and people are sometimes making a mess out of their life. Hey, but I still love you. Uh, if I can have you... I'll take your mess too. Jesus is saying, I love you and I want you. Those type of people I want to touch, I want to minister to. They're hurting and crying people today who need a touch from Jesus. You know, one of the things that, you know, I've experienced many times is, especially with the men, when you're counseling a man, and all of a sudden a cuss word is slipped out of his mouth. And he'll go... Oh, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to say that blankety blank word. And you, you know, I'm trying to control my. And, and it just. Oh, what I say. Listen, just just talk. Don't worry about it. You'll grow out of that. But I'm not going to condemn you. You know, we as the church, we've gotten to the point many times that we're so ready that we believe to be the right type of Christian. Christianity comes with some special giftings. Stones. Why does it take? Somebody said, you know, the church didn't accept me because uh, I drink a little something for my uh, body's sake 
and uh, you know, just a little bit, and they don't, they won't, they say I can go to church and I can tithe, but I can't be a member there. <laughs> if I drink a little bit for stomach's sake, can I go to your church? Heck yeah, bring some with you. Uh, <laughs> my stomach's not doing too good either. <laughs> you see, some of you already got your rocks pointed at me. I felt it when I said that. No, I don't drink. I, I, I don't like the testimony of what it does to people. But I don't condemn people who do it for the digestion. <laughs> but people get saved and they got their own special rocks. And they brought that, they brought that prostitute to Jesus. Let's stone her. We caught her in the very act. Of course, you know, you, I know you've heard the man wasn't anywhere around. And they all pulled out, not their Bibles, not the Torah. They all pulled out their rocks. They had them in their pocket just waiting. Whew. And Jesus looked at her and spoke to that type of a woman, knowing, knowing what type of woman she was. And he loved her. And you know, there's two things we can do with rocks. We can throw them or we can take them and we can build an altar with the rocks that we throw and we can stand before that altar and we can say, Lord, forgive me for being judgmental and not for being loving. You know, the other day I went in front of Hot Topic and I prayed for those children that I've judged and I've told my kids, I don't want you in there. And I thought just because they had different color hair and all kind of different things going on. But I went and I really wanted to go inside and tell them I loved them. But they were busy and I said, Lord, you're going to show me an opportunity. But you know, you don't know where they've been. You don't know their hurts. And instead of being saying they don't look like us, don't talk like us, don't act like us. You know, if you're really a Christian, you're going to look like me, you're going to act like me, you're going to be like me. Instead of taking those rocks and building an altar and pouring oil on that altar and say, Lord, I am going to be your sacrifice to intercede and pray that, Lord, for that young lady who's hurt and confused and seeking her identity, I'm going to pray that she's going to find you. You're going to heal her from maybe not having a daddy and every weekend changing houses and having two bedrooms and not really having any. The young man who was abandoned by his dad and dad never had time for him. For the lady, the single mom who's rushed going through so many things uh, financially because she's raising children on her own. Father, we don't want to throw rocks. We want to build an altar. I don't want to hurt other people. I don't want to talk about other people. I want to build an altar instead of throw rocks at people. Because that lady was hurting. But do you know what? In this room here, there is so much potential because Jesus, by looking at the men, said, you who without sin cast a first stone, he changed the atmosphere and they all started dropping their rocks. We wait for other people to change. But we are ready to change.
And Jesus changed the whole atmosphere by saying, you who are without sin, you cast the first stone. And then when Jesus looked up and she looked up at Jesus, she says, where are your accusers? They dropped their rocks. Do you know the name Satan means accuser? When I accuse my brothers and sisters, when I go around and I talk about, about down about them, and, and what we're going to uh, be studying on today is envy. And how many of you have seen this uh, picture of Moses by Michelangelo? You've seen this picture before? Do you know that on top of his head, it's not hair? How many of you know those are horns? Have you ever wondered what that was? Those are horns. And, and what happened was in the Latin Bible in those days, when Moses came down from the mountain, instead of saying his face glowed, it said he had horns. So when Michelangelo did Moses, he did the Moses according to what he had read in a certain translation, that Moses came down the mountain with the Ten Commandments and horns. And so he drew horns on Moses because he thought that's what Moses must have looked like. How many of you ever looked at somebody's yearbook or you've been at the dentist office and you grabbed Time magazine and somebody took a picture of a present or somebody and they drew a goatee and they drew some horns? <laughs> Have you ever gone through somebody's yearbook and you're going through that yearbook and all of a sudden you see somebody has drew horns and a goatee and some big old pointed ears and you go, oh, I know they didn't like that person. Or you get a magazine, you see that they just drew those horns and that goatee and everything. You know what? Every time we criticize and we attack somebody, we're drawing horns on them. And Moses didn't have horns. How many of you know he didn't have horns? He had the glory. But it was written that he had horns. How many of you know that we go around sometimes and when we criticize and we talk even a little bit, we're drawing horns on somebody. And they're the son and the daughter of the living God. Because you know what? Because what I'm just going to touch on a few minutes today is that many times we have problem in this area. Love does not boast. It means it doesn't brag or seek recognition, honor or applause from others. On the contrary, love seeks to give, to recognize, to honor, and to applaud the other person. Boasting. And you know, even being raised all my life as a Christian, you know, I've boasted. The Holy Spirit reminded me back in 1982, 1983, my wife and I went to a, 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 a conference in, in another state. And one of the speakers was well known and, and he was on TV and has lots of books still on TV. And he got up and he said a bad word that you wouldn't say from the pulpit, but he said, he got mad and he said a bad word from the pulpit. And so everywhere I went, I said, do you know what that brother so-and-so said from the pulpit? I heard it with my own ears. He said that, that, you know, word that starts with that letter. And I went around and I was telling all the men, can you believe he said that? And you know what I was doing? I was secretly boasting that I'm better than him. Because I didn't say what he said. I was secretly boasting and wanting recognition that how can he be a man of God when he said that word? But listen to me. There was that, that boast, that pride, everything, the root of pride. Because the truth was, a little man, little person syndrome, always wants to knock down the other man to bring him down to his level. That's what boastings is about. 
I don't like you. I feel intimidated around you. I feel insecure around you. So I'm going to boast in me or tear you down to make, I'm going to bring you down lower than I am till I feel like I'm big in my own eyes. And when I feel big in my own eyes, then I'll feel big in your eyes. We've boasted and envied and walked in pride and the fruit of the world and the fruit of the enemy instead of walking the fruit of the Spirit because it just, you know, well, it's not no big sin. And do you know Jesus, the high, exalted, and lifted one? It says... He lowered himself. He emptied himself of all of his glory. And he lowered himself to be at a level where the prostitute, the betrayer, the sick, the needy, the man of the pool of Bethesda, he said, I have no one to put me in the water. I'm all alone. And Jesus says, I'm here with you and I've come and I've come to help you. Jesus, who was perfect and God in flesh, Lowered himself to everyone could have access. And it says in Hebrews chapter 4 that we have a high priest that we can come to him. And even though he is the high and exalted king and Lord, we still can come to him and he can still come down to our level and reach us where we are and say, I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm interceding for you. I love you. I haven't given up on you. I won't quit on you. I won't leave you in defeat. My purpose and my plan will be fulfilled in your life. How many can praise the Lord for that? Okay, give him my hand. Give him my hand. To boast. It's a horrible thing to live a life boasting and trying to bring people down to our own level. I want to talk to you today. There's no room to boast. Paul says, if I boast about anything, I boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. If I boast in anything, I haven't accomplished anything in my life that the favor, the grace, and the love of God hasn't rescued me and given me the power and the ability to be able to grow and to be able to be. It is by the grace of God I'm still not in the world. It's by the grace of God I'm not in jail. It's by the grace of God I'm still not addicted. It's by the grace of God I'm still married. It's by the grace of God I still have half of my mind. It's by the grace of God that I'm still here. It's by the, it's by the grace of God if I'm going to boast anything, I'm going to boast in the glory of the Lord. It's in the faithfulness of God. Love does not parade itself. The message says it doesn't strut. I love what somebody said. Some people can strut sitting down. (laughs) To brag or to exalt. But the root behind boasting is revenge. I'm going to get you back. I'm going to hurt you. It's not puffed up, proud, arrogant. It needs to be conceited. The Word of God says in Romans 12, 3, For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more higher than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. He says, I want every man to think the right way about yourself. Let me tell you something. You know what the devil was telling Adam and Eve? If you eat of this tree, you'll be of God. You'll be like God. Or in other words, get your eyes off of worshiping God and get your eyes on worshiping yourself. Get your eyes off of pleasing God and get your eyes on pleasing yourself. Get your eyes of being a living sacrifice to God and, and get your eyes on living and just everything is sacrificed for you. That's what boasting is about. And he says, I've given you the grace. You need to boast in the grace and in the strength of God that you, you don't have to live that type of lifestyle. 
Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another. It doesn't say honor just the good ones. Honor just the better ones. But it says honor one another above yourselves. It goes on to say Philippians 2.3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, considering others better than yourself. Now this is what the New Testament teaches this is what the Word of God teaches. And you know, let me just share something with you. We have gotten to the point for years now in America where would you look at the earrings in that kid's face? Will you look at the clothes? Will you look at their color hair? Would, can you believe that that woman would even dare come in church? Do you believe that couple, they're not married or come into church? Look what they look like. But you know what we have honored and respected? Long robes. Oh, that's a man of God. He's got a long golden robe with a long handkerchief around his neck. Scarf, I mean. And that means God is here. No means he's hiding his belly. <laughs> it means he's trying to look apart because righteousness looks a certain way. But God said it thousands of years ago to the prophet Samuel. I don't look on the outward appearance. I look upon the heart. It's not the outward appearance. I look upon the heart. It's not the outward appearance. I look upon the heart. And I know people are thinking and been saying, oh, you're giving, Pastor, the last two weeks you're giving us permission to smoke, to drink, to put earrings in our foreheads. You're giving us permission to get tattoos. You have permission to do everything. No, no, no. I'm not giving you permission to do that. And, I'm, and you know, I don't want you doing that. But the thing about it is, if you've already done it or you, or you have it, it doesn't mean you've got to hide and be ashamed of it. Just be who you are. You know, in, in the old church, when we were on another side of town, people say there was such a strong spirit of rejection. And they go, Pastor, I feel such a strong spirit of rejection. I say, well, I do too. Every person in here tells me, why can't you be like my last pastor? Well, if he was so good, why did you leave him? Yeah. They were trying to, they were telling me, why don't you be like this pastor? Why don't you preach like him? Why don't you be like him? Why don't, you gotta be more serious. You gotta be more funny. Why can't you be like this evangelist? Why can't you be like this preacher? And, and, and people are saying, pastor, I feel rejected in this church. Oh, don't worry, I feel rejected. <laughs> Comparison. We gotta be like that church. Oh, did you hear what that church is doing? Praise God. God bless them. I love them. Thank God they're doing what they're doing. But i got to be me. This church is Word of Grace. And we got to do what God has called us to do. Reach. Well, well, you know, Pastor, if we do this and that, we'll reach those type of people. Well, what are those type of people that God wants us to reach? You want us to reach those type of people so you can just get around and be like those type of people. But I want to be just like Jesus that everybody can come and feel the presence of God, feel loved and accepted. And don't have to be around a whole lot of boasting. Well, we did this. We did that. No, you didn't do nothing. God is the one who does it all. People say, Brother Russell, how did you build that church? I don't know because I didn't do it. I was just there when God did it. Amen. 
Well, you ought to write a book. It'd be one page. Big letters. Let God. <laughs> we boast anything. We boast in the Lord. Amen, church. So we want to have a church. The type of church Jesus would be comfortable in. The type of church that God can trust us to receive people to come in here. Where they're not looked at differently. If they look different or have a hat or any other way. They're people. And they're hurting. And they're needy. And we are commanded by God. He didn't say, change them. He said, love them. And preach the word. And let the Spirit of God do the changing. Amen. Let the Spirit of God do the changing. Satan always wants us to be unsatisfied with who we are. But I want to just share a few things with you. A little bit of chicken soup for the soul. But I didn't get this from there. Listen to this. Some people grow, others swell. Ever seen a dead horse? Tempers get people in trouble, but pride gets them there. You ain't changing me. Woman, you tell me you're sorry first. Ah, you tell me you're sorry first. Well, you did it, but you meant it. Listen to this. Lots of people get credit for being cheerful when they're just proud of their teeth. Uh, adversity is the only diet to reduce a fat head why am I going through this might need to lose a little weight we had a brother come to our church his name was Gustavo he's a minister down in the southern part of Argentina and uh, oh he had he could win an award for the biggest head in the world and, and, and his, his mama used, used to come home. He said he used to come home from school crying that they were teasing me. They're calling me Cabezon. They're calling me Big Head. And his mom would just go, don't worry about it, my baby. It's all right. I love your head. <laughs> he said his mom used to send him for five pounds of potatoes. He would say, well, mama, give me a bag. She says, babe, just use your hat. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Listen to this. Flattery. Is hearing from others the things you've already thought about yourself. <laughs> How many ever seen that show, The Bachelor? Oh, a few honest. How many seen the commercial? Oh, now we got more honest people. Okay. Isn't that the, isn't that the most stupidest thing you ever heard of? I never got into it because, man, the guy's rich. He's single and he can't find a wife on his own, so he's going to have them hard 20, 30, 40. But listen to this. A bachelor usually wants one single thing in life. Himself. <laughs> listen to this. All bachelors expect to get married just as soon as they find a girl who loves them as much as they love themselves. <laughs> Wasn't that what it's about? It's not about those girls leave crying. Oh, you don't love me. No, he's in love with himself. 
many times he gives them roses back. Ends the show and still ain't engaged to one of them. Why? He's already found his first love. His soulmate. Him! <laughs> a bachelor never gets over the idea that he is a thing of beauty and a boy forever. Hmm. There isn't anything effective for subduing a big shot as confronting him with somebody he used to go to school with. You know, I've preached and I've told stories, you know, fasting and praying and casting out devils and and serving Jesus since 1969. Hallelujah. And then somebody from some of my dad's old churches that knew me when I was a little boy. Throwing dead snakes in the back seat. Putting railroad ties, ties behind the wheels so they can't get out. Stealing old ladies' back seats and when they had a watermelon, stealing that too. Getting on top of the church and making ghost sounds through the pipe of the bathroom. You see, I just tell, oh, I was, I, I played the guitar for my mom and my mama would worship and I would worship and I wrote songs. You know, I tell you all the good stuff and then all of a sudden here comes somebody who knew me. Y'all have seen me cry when I've turned around and seen somebody visiting us. It's not because of, I'm happy to see them. It's like, oh God, somebody who really knows me. You've got your wife believing all kind of stuff. You go to a class reunion and they go, you married him? <laughs> there is something pathetic about a man who turns on his charm when he has none. <laughs> Why should some people be willing to compromise when they're the ones who's always right? I like this one. Talk to a man about himself and he'll listen for hours. <laughs> That's why we stay up to three in the morning. Talk to me, baby. Listen to this. Conceit is the only disease known to man that makes everybody sick except the person who has it. The world's most conceited man is the fellow who celebrated his birthday by sending his mother a congratulations card. <laughs> congratulations, mama. You still got a boy. Uh, mm. Many divorces... <laughs> Many divorces are caused by the marriage of two people who are in love with themselves. Some people are in sore need of surgery. They need to have half their ego removed. Boy, it's true, huh? No, the Bible says in Psalms 23, 3, He restoreth my soul, He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Ephesians 6 talks about the breastplate of righteousness about keeping our heart filtered of pride and ego and things that turn off the fruit of the Spirit and things that turn off the love of God. 
You know, that's what's so great. And I'm, I'm hoping that many of us can start taking uh, mission trips that haven't taken them in a while. There's something about going around humble, poor people to have our hearts, hearts shifted to being more sensitive. How I do mean, you know humility and love is being sensitive to the needs of people around us? That's why I put all my heart into the funerals. Just can't do, just can't do something normal. Because those are some hurting people there. They're hurting their children, their family. And just to get up and I had a pastor tell me, son, just get one message and just do that one. Don't get yourself under all that pressure. Oh, no. I was there when my parents were spoken over. I haven't always been happy with what's going on there. We've got to honor and talk about that person. You know, there's just something about going to somebody's house. And they go, Pastor, I'm, I'm so ashamed of my house. And, you know, we would go to huts in third world countries, dirt floors, Chickens and pigs in the house. The furniture was a little stump cut in half, and you'd sit on that or sit on the dirt. Many times they'd give me the place of honor, the hammock. And you go in there, and they feel so ashamed, and they go, I have nothing. But yet they still have love and peace. And when you can go and you can you spend the night in their house in the hammock, and you eat with them with your fingers, you're eating the rice and the beans out of the bowl, and you're not complaining, you're not saying, oh, no, I don't eat that. Oh, no, I don't touch that. You get down to their level. There's just something that many times we as Americans, we need to be awakened to the reality of how other people live and how other people are going through. We went, ate at a a family's house in Papala one time, and we got there and we were sitting across the table, and they lived in a very poor, poor area. It was government area, and a government area in a third world country is totally different than a government area in this country. And we got there, and she was yawning, and he was sleepy at the table. And, and I said, did y'all sleep last night? And they said, why? I said, y'all, y'all looked exhausted. They said, well, we didn't sleep. We stayed up all night and painted the whole entire house because we know you were coming. And we wanted it freshly painted. I said, oh, you don't have to do that. I don't come to be impressed. I've been to the state capitol in the White House, and you know what? It doesn't have the presence that some little house and anywhere that you go has where they love Jesus and the peace of God is there. That's nice, but I don't want it. That doesn't impress me. Amen, church? I mean, it's great to have great things, and it's great to be blessed But boy, it seems like the more blessed we get, the more insensitive we get. Because the ego grows. Well, you know, I made something out of my life. They can make something out of their life too. You know, I worked 12 hours a day and I worked hard. And and I worked to get what I got. If they don't have it and they got a problem with it, well, they should just go ahead and do something to make their life better. But at the same time, we don't know what they're going through. See, we're picking up our rocks instead of building an altar. I want to share with you a prayer. It's called a Franciscan benediction. I know a lot of people are already saying, Catholics. You see what I'm talking about? Catholics. You're going to read something from a priest? 
Oh, they had a bunch of prayers to Mary. They did. But I'm going to read something to you that is greater than a lot of things I read in books today. And yesterday after that funeral, I had so many people come up to me and they go, you know, and I, and I saw them by the casket and they go, you know, we're Catholic, but you know what? We didn't feel judged by you. We didn't feel like you were trying to push us into something or this and that or the other. I said, hey, my church supports some Catholic organizations because we're fighting abortion and a number of things together. I thank God for you. But listen to this Franciscan benediction. You know what? I took it. I said, I want this as the vision of our church. Listen to this. And I want to pray this over you. May God bless us with discomfort at easy answers. Half-truths and superficial relationships so that we may live deep within our hearts. May God bless us with anger at injustice, oppression, exploitation of people so that we may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war so that we may reach our hands to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. Now listen to this. And may God bless us with enough foolishness to believe that we can make a difference in this world so that we can do what others claim cannot be done. May we be the foolish things of God just to be able to believe and expect things to be done when everyone else says it cannot be done. I spent some time this week with the mayor Wednesday and we went out to eat. But while we were there in a little meeting, I, I was sitting by him and I grabbed his arm and he was sharing some things, just a number of things. And I grabbed his arm and I said, you know, people were asking questions and stuff. And I said, and it was a group. And I said, Mr. Mayor, I said, I'd like to just tell you one thing. Thank you for not quitting. When I said that, he put his head down and you see his eyes started filling up with tears. And I looked at his assistant and I said, Rich, thank you for not quitting. With all the things in the paper and all the attacks and everything else, thank both of you for being leaders that didn't and won't quit. Instead of thinking about what about my agenda, what about my questions, I had no questions. I had one thing to praise him and tell him, I'm proud that you're my mayor. And you're doing a good job and I love you. I pray for you and I support you. And it touched that man. I said, Lord, that's what I want to do. I just want to touch and love and encourage people. That's what we want to do here in this church. We're going to grow. We are growing. We're going to expand. We're going to see so many things. But we never want to get to the point where we're the answer and we're the church. No, there's churches all over and they're good churches. And there's men and women of God who are working in those churches. And we love them. We respect them. But we don't ever want to grow egoistic about our denomination, our church, our camp, our group, who we are personally, what we accomplish or have or do. That we don't lose sight of people and where they are and what they need. Ego does not brag or seek recognition. Well, I did that and he didn't even give me the recognition for it. The honor or the applause from others. On the contrary, is to love, seeks to give, to recognize, to honor, to applaud the other person. 
You know, we do that and we want to do that more. Joseph wasn't here last week, so I got to speak about him behind his back. But I recognized and I applauded that young man. Because as long as I've known him, he always had the gift to brag and speak highly of others. And never asked to be spoken about himself. And there's so many here. There are people of love and their character and integrity. And you are what's going to win this city. And you're going to be the influence that wins this world. Amen. Let's stand up.